0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Moose Rockwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right. Thanks, man. How are
0: you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. This is embarrassing to be excited about, but um, there's a New Heights podcast I love watching, listening to. Uh, Travis Kelsey and his brother Jason Kelsey, and oh, one of the on- big week one of the- for them. <laughs> yeah, one of the- one of the ongoing dramas is that <laughs> he really fancies Taylor Swift, and she yeah. turned up at one of his games.
1: And, now they're, and they're dating, right? I think
0: on his invitation, which I'm very excited about because it's it's so weird to see like worlds overlap like that. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, this feels quite weird being on a Tuesday. Yes,
0: but you know, needs must, needs must. Uh, both been traveling a bit. Uh, I've been traveling. Um, you've been traveling. So you know.
1: Yeah, and a little. Uh, we did, did a little. Better. We did a little schedule swap with Ratty's house as well because it was the North London Derby. Yeah. I did the North Under Derby stuff with Ian on Righteous House on Monday, mm. which has now got new, new artwork, new graphics. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, if it hasn't updated yet on your podcast app, it might take 24 hours or so, but keep an eye out. So yeah, Ian and I did Premier League on yep. Righteous House. But um, because everyone really wants to hear what you have to say. So. <laughs> fiction, fiction is all fiction. Uh, any thoughts from the Premier League
0: over the weekend? Um, just as a sort of a headline, um, first of all, congratulations to Lucian getting the first point. I think I'll put that at the top. Um, uh, unpleasant reverse for Sheffield United, uh, um, against Newcastle at home. Although I think we always have to note the vast difference in resources available. I know Sheffield United were not their best, but they weren't batting with the same equipment. Um, also I think Chelsea, we've got to start paying attention to that slide there in, uh, That is not a good return on investment. And the players seem to be struggling under the weight of expectation over there. And the North London derby, I mean, last but not least, obviously almost everyone saw that. An extraordinary game of football. And a real, real thing, a real note about how a derby can have outsized importance in the course of your season. And a really important thing for both teams, particularly Arsenal, is not to allow it to shift momentum. It's really really easy to get caught away with that game and not
1: the big picture. So, yeah. So, derby man, things happen. Well, things happen in derbies, which we will talk about today. We will, about we will the derby. Yeah. What I will say about this and I think it's fair to say about
0: all derbies, it's fascinating how otherwise quite calm players are completely unable to maintain momentum or see or maintain control. It's so interesting how players in derbies make mistakes they would just never otherwise make. Like, the mistake you wouldn't see them make in 37 other games of the league season. Mm. It's always really
1: interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to go and hear Ian and I talk more in detail about that, go and check Righty's House. Uh, also, mm. Counter Press was back this week. Ah, welcome to back. Just and the gang. Gang, yeah. So today we're going to focus on continental Europe. Very fair, yes. We're going to do Madrid derby. Mm. we talk a little bit about the Ajax situation. Yes. Talk a bit about Harry Kane. And uh, maybe we'll get a, give a little shout-out for Austria-Salzburg against Red Bull-Salzburg. Yes, do that. Also, I want to talk about some other wild stuff, maybe Gatti's own goal. Mm, there's against a little... Oswolo because there's that a little, was... Yeah, oh, my God. Casual. casual. Oh, my God. Maybe but, um, foreshadowed,
0: given the chaos of the game. Yeah, maybe. that point,
1: yeah. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. Musa Okwonga. Hmm. What a blow to the narrative. Atletico Madrid 3, Real Madrid 1 at the uh, Metropolitano. Mm. I really miss it being the wonder. Yeah. Just uh, such a cool name for a stadium. Oh, the in, my, in my heart, it's still a wonder. In my heart, it's still a wonder. A lot of badge kissing in this game.
0: Oh, there was a lot of badge kissing. There was a lot of badge kissing in, in La Liga, actually. Cancelo, we've seen you again. You're at oh. it again. But back to this game. This game, was it, was it really a blow gonna to the narrative? Cancelo, Cancelo. We'll do that eventually. But what's this being <laughs> you Do you know what Cancelo culture actually is? Cancelo culture is actually excessive badge kissing when you've been at a club for two minutes.
1: I think the great thing about Cancelo culture is that it, its definition is fluid and it depends on whatever we want. it. It's as fluid as he is positionally. I
0: think it's as fluid as Brexit. Remember like Danny Dyer called Brexit a mad riddle? <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it is. <laughs> what, is anyway. it? what is it? Anyway, yeah. So this game, um, was it? I was watching this game and thinking, actually, no, is this really a blow to the narrative? Because Atleti at their best merely expose cracks that are already there. And we knew that Madrid had weaknesses in attack. That We know they have major injuries. They've got Courtois missing, Militao's missing. The fullbacks Vinicius. are not impressive. Mendy was off the bench in this game. They had problems, right? They had problems, mm. we knew that. And Atleti needed this win badly. They'd had, you know, a bad reverse recently. So they had, they came in having to win this. Having said that, the scoreline was still a surprise. What I will say about Atleti, the first thing I'll say, because we have to mention this, astonishing defensive shape. So you know those table football games you get in all those pubs, right? Mm. The kicker, as they call them in Germany. Atleti's defensive shape was so incredible. They played this 5-3-2. And at one point, quite a few points in in the first half, when they were out of possession, they were lined up as if they had metal bolts through their waists. They were like mm-hmm. perfect 5-3-2, incredible shape. I don't know how Rael thought they could beat that team with no width, but they did. I think that Ancelotti got the tactics wrong. I think playing Jude Bellingham as one of a front two and having Modric as the 10 filled the spaces that Bellingham would otherwise have occupied, and it meant he was arriving like in the box almost too early and I don't think that suits him, and you saw Atleti, at certain points, there were four players around him, and they absolutely worked him. They really Mm. gave him the business. Um, They closed him down perfectly, didn't allow him to build up any momentum, and Atleti, you know, exposed that Real have real problems in attack. They do not have depth. They do not have serious depth. They've got Joselu, Vinicius, Rodrigo. Rodrigo, who looked out of sorts, looked maybe a step below the level needed to be decisive in a game like this, and they don't have much else, Bram Diaz as well, but if you look at the riches that, let's say, I mean, City have got arguably the best two number nines, arguably the best two number nines in the Premier League, certainly two of the top five in the Premier League, in Europe actually, mm. and Madrid don't have one of the best number nines in, well, La Liga. Like, that is a big problem. That is a, and it's obvious, and it was talked about prior to the season, Angelotti said didn't need more, But I always disagreed with it then. I disagreed even more now. And they had no width. Vasquez tried to put himself down one flank, um, was outmatched. And can I say this as well? Alvaro Morata, we've talked so long about this player being decisive in huge games. And if he just got over that hump, unfortunately, like, you know, he's 30 and he's hitting his stride extremely late. But he was dominant. The man had like less than 30 touches. He was everywhere and nowhere. And what I mean by that is the greatest comp in the sense that he was able to be patient enough to stay out of possession long times and still be lethal when he got it. So Murata, really the headline for me, but also Angelotti getting the tactics wrong and Madrid's real lack of depth in in
1: attack, real problems. I think what this reminded me of is some of those vintage Simeone sides, Mm. super high intensity, Mm. super high efficiency Mm. and a real technical quality. I think that a lot of those vintage Simeone sides that got to the Champions League finals they don't get the credit that they deserve, I think, for how technically brilliant they were. Because mm. you have to be really technically brilliant to play minimalist football in a way that they did and go so far so consistently. Totally. Yes, yes. You were absolutely right. Like The way that they lined up in that, that back five that became a back three with the ball. Mm. Uh, Lino obviously had the the great assist for the first goal from mm. uh, Rata, super early on. Two assists for Sal Niguez. Real Madrid got done on three headers.
0: And they weren't even close to them, Ryan. Not even contested.
1: Bad day for David-, David Alaba. The amount of times that the ball, like if you look at it, pretty much I think on every single goal, the ball yeah. is going over his head.
0: Yes. And the worst thing is doubly bad because of the organisation. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to be beaten in the air, but then not to be in control. Like you're the senior, you're the senior partner in that defence. He can't point in
1: it. I think, no, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the second Morata goal. Camavinga got pointed at. Yeah, but Alaba doesn't need to leave Morata, right? And to happen
0: so early in the second half as well, when you know that they're doing air atleti the whole game, and Griezmann as well. You know, you talk about minimalist football. You talk about a player being technically excellent who loves playing with minimal possession. Griezmann is just mm. why that man ever left. Ever left Atleti.
1: Well, everyone gets everyone gets lured by the. Yeah, of, no, fair enough. The, the chance of playing with colours. Messi. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Fair enough. If you made that move successful, I mean, you could argue that at the moment, actually, one, Charles Felix is looking a little bit freed up. You could argue, there. actually,
0: yeah, Griezmann's never been, is this that classic thing like Pogba left United just when they became perfect for him and Griezmann left and actually Barcelona now are really good fit for what Griezmann does? <laughs> Ironically Gri- enough,
1: G- G- Griezmann's like those, you know, when like uh, you see kittens and they're, and they're They're just trying to get out. They're trying to get out. They're trying to get out. And then you open the cage for them or the basket, you know, and you bring them home. And then they're just like, they look around and they're actually, actually, did I want to, actually, did I really want to go out? Like, or did I, was I probably making a little bit too much noise because, you know, I did a whole like documentary about how I'm staying and then, you know. I don't know why the kitten's making a documentary about staying. This, just this is just getting very song. confused. This is getting. This is, like, this is. a riddle. This is a Danny Dyer Brexit metaphor. Um, are you, you really saying I mean? that certainly like, footballers are like kittens?
0: Yes. So you say like players having a kitten moment where they're like, actually, they don't want to leave. They just want to
1: kind of... Yeah, they want the attention. If they could get away with it and it was socially acceptable, I think nine out of ten footballers really in positions like that would just sit in front of the board and go, me. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> what they really want.
0: Why does that feel so accurate? Yes, but um, Griezmann. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Fuck? Just imagining Gr- Griezmann meowing at the
1: board. Do they really want to leave, or are they just meowing? Just meowing. Yeah, they're meowing. <laughs> we should do Tuesdays more often. I like this vibe. Oh it's goodness. throwing me all off my rhythm. That's no, perfect. It's perfect. Much like Real Madrid were very early in both halves.
0: Can I say this about Real Madrid? So first of all, look, Atleti, outstanding, tactically brilliant, and just completely caught Real Madrid because Madrid were too busy doing one kind of one thing. We know they've got that brilliant midfield. Everyone's seduced by the names on it, as am I. Chirmini on the bench, Modric, Kroos, Camavinga, um, and Bellingham all starting. And I, I think actually, they, like I said before, I think they got it wrong. I think there were too many of one type of player. Kroos was an example of that. He was outstanding. His passing was exceptional. I think he only misplaced one pass in the entire game. Scored a superb goal. But if Kroos is doing that with the tempo from the base midfield, you don't really need Modric nudging about high up the pitch. I just don't think you needed it. And I, it's very rare you'll say to me, actually, I don't think that Kroos and Modric should have started this game. It, you know, this derby, but I'm not entirely convinced they should have, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kamavinga did some really interesting things pushing forward. Um, weirdly enough, I Kamavinga's played in so many different positions, I would not be surprised if he ended up as a forward at some point in this season. I just wonder if he gets used as a wide player at some point. And I don't mean like as a winger, but maybe it's slightly closer in because... I don't know how you fix this at Madrid. And I think they're going to be goal shy in big games if they don't, if they don't work something out quickly. How do you feel about it?
1: He is, he is a, the ultimate kind of like gap filler. Mm. He can do whatever needs to be done. They need to start getting more goals from him then. They need to start getting more goals from Camavinga. Because Camavinga? Looking,
0: yeah, as in, not, not because he doesn't, he's not a brilliant football, but I wonder if part of the solution to the goal scoring problem mm. could be him at some point in more advanced positions. Because the only thing that looked dangerous in this game really was Camavinga's runs from deep. I thought, mm. I thought watching him advance and thinking because Real didn't really seem to work this out. They were trying to play these like you know, triangles, but they were slow. They were really, really slow. They never really gathered the pace. Only once or twice they really quick enough, passable, quick enough to get in behind. Um, they tried running at, they tried running at the Aleti defense, but the people doing that. Well, either Bellingham, who wasn't really on his rhythm, or Rodrigo, who they kind of gave him the running they wanted, and Camavinga is—you know—he's he is one of the best at running at pace at players, and I just wonder if they could have made more use of that, and if they will make more use of that as the season goes on, Um, because in the absence of Vinicius, who just saw they are—it was slim pickings. Ryan,
1: should we talk about the goal that was disallowed? Yeah. What did you think of it? It Took me a while. I'm not going to lie. Took me a while to figure out. Who was offside? Why the goal was disallowed? Rudiger was a bit... He was, he was
0: offside though.
1: Yeah, Rudiger was offside. Um, mm. Because I saw a few people saying maybe it was a penalty and I'm not sure it is because they've both kind of got hold of each other and I think in that scenario, mm. weird, but fine, mm. I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think he, he just went too early. It's a classic one.
1: Yeah, but it, I mean, I can understand... Not one to offensive, but I can understand from a, if you're a Real Madrid fan, you're looking at that. You're kind of you're asking why that's been disallowed. It felt off though the second it left the. Yeah, it was one of those. You know, uh, you know it should be disallowed, but you're not entirely sure why. <laughs> it's like that, that, that felt just feels destined, off about this goal. Somebody I thought I thought yeah, know it,
0: I think maybe it was the balance of play. Yeah, um, it felt initially, but there also like I think Rail was stretching for it. I think it summed up. Yeah. It summed up kind of, I mean, just even the way the attack was made, the fact you're pushing Rudiger forward that far forward that early on yeah. in the game showed it that- old, though. it would no, though. No, but, they, but, they, but they, were, they were chasing it. They were really, yeah. really chasing it. Like if you see that game in terms of what Rail were doing, Rail had some really good possession. Mm. I think at one point, I mean, it was the most Atleti score I never, it was like 36, the classic Atleti thing, 36% possession,
1: to no lead. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is precisely what I meant by it reminded me of a vintage Simeone Atleti performance because they, yeah. they, they, they were really, really good value for it. But they allowed, you know, Real Madrid had loads of the ball, but mm. it felt... None of it was dangerous. It felt very... I mean, I don't think they created a big chance. Square, I mean, square, backwards, forwards,
0: square, yeah. square, backwards, forwards. It was like sort of, yeah. If, if Cruz is shooting that much from distance, I think he got two shots off in the first half. He's doing that in the first half it means Real are off their rhythm because it means there's nothing Mm -hmm. ahead of him and he just has to like go for that. And he had a couple of shots. It reminded me of a game, I think it was Mallorca, they played last season, Real, where Crows did the same thing and it was like, I've just got to crack it from here because there's just this wall of red in front of me. Um, Yeah, yeah, similar wall of red up by Madrid. And at the end, uh, lasted the whole game.
1: So that leaves Real Madrid third, Girona in second after a 5-3 win over Mallorca. Girona Mm. absolutely flying, undefeated this season. Uh, level on points for Barcelona only one goal behind them on goal difference they've conceded one more goal mm. uh, Barca beating Celta Vigo on uh, Saturday as well 2-0 down until very late couple for Lewandowski uh, assist for Jal Felix oh could you shout out Real Salsi has 4-3 win over Katafet as well because that was mm. <laughs> a goal fest is there anything in Serie A you want to touch on before we, um, do, before we Yeah, to the just
0: complete, um Sassuolo beating Juventus 4-2 that's a big deal um, really really good win and, and Juventus have put in some decent performances in recent weeks but this was this revealed some problems um, mm. defensively to say the least uh, the Gatti own goal sealing it um, Yeah, wild on. Berardi just doing Berardi things it was his I think 300th game for Sassuolo and he mm. scored so a man of the big occasion also a Juventus old boy and just a really good game of football um, Sassuolo just looked just a step above the entire
1: way into one again, yeah, they did, they did. Hundred percent record, they're they're flying, man. Good uh, goal for uh, Rafael Leal got Milan's the only goal against Hellas Verona.
0: That backheel discourse. I mean, I'm, I speak no Italian, so I did put the Italian word for back onto go, Google Translate, then went on Twitter, and then did a bunch of tweet and read a bunch of tweets, and the discourse about his missed backheel against Matt, against Newcastle went on for days. Um, it was it was a bad bad mistake, but still, like. There were other chances in that game for Milan to have sealed it. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, good win for Milan, uh, getting back in uh, in the picture. Napoli nil-nil Bologna. Uh, the headline there: Victor Osimen coming off and angrily pointing at Rudy Garcia about some of the tactics. Thought he should have put him up front with Simeone. And just look, I was a bit anxious about that bit. I didn't like it. Coaching wise, I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. I wasn't wild about it. I, I was, you know, you want to be optimistic, but I was concerned. But the thing, the thing is that they lost, they lost their coach, they lost their sporting director, they lost their best centre-back. They had some big losses in Napoli and also like everyone's gunning for you, it's just going to be a tough title defence, I think, for them. And we're seeing now just how just how big the drop-off could be. But yeah, that's about all from... So, oh yes, one other thing. Uh, Romu Lukaku getting um, a goal again. Uh, Torino drawing one all with Roma, he got the opener
1: and Zapata got his first for Torino. All right, let's take a quick break and then let's go to the Netherlands. Let's do it. Right, man, the fiercest game in the Aerodivisie took place on the weekend. Ajax versus Feyenoord. And uh, Ajax in a real, real sticky spot at the moment, let's mm. say. Mm. And actually part of a wider, I'd say, slide over the last couple of years with a lot of a lot of turnover of personnel and players and a gradual, it seems like Ajax do this cyclically. Mm. They have this, they have to have these big, almost uh, revolutions away from their philosophy to regain their philosophy again. Mm. Yeah. with The whole like coup of the board and like Cruyff going to court about not getting Van Gaal back and all of this kind of stuff. Like, Do you remember, I always joke about this, and I actually said this the other day, that if Johan Cruyff was still alive now, he'd be writing another book that only had a paragraph dedicated to the Cruyff turn, and another chapter on what the hell is wrong with Ajax.
0: Right, right. Maybe it's because, is it because they're such a traditional giant, that when you're so, you know when you're like permanently, you know those families that are like permanently wealthy, they create dramas to make things interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, because Ajax, they don't win every year, but they're always in the conversation. And and it was like Barcelona for a certain period, like you know, Barcelona fans would talk about philosophy and all this stuff because you know they were winning so many trophies. You almost had to create other other things because the act of just winning became maybe just stale by itself of itself. I don't know. Um, And also because Ajax are just such a powerful institution. Powerful institutions always attract internal politics, right? They just
1: yeah. I mean, for those who have missed all of this, so. Ajax have been struggling this season in the league big time. time, Um, They've only won one game of their first four. Going into the game against Feyenoord, Feyenoord uh, were 3-0 up. Ajax fans started throwing flares and fireworks on the pitch to disrupt the game. Mm. Players were taken off, came back out again, it happened again, and then the match was suspended. And then there were various fan groups afterwards who were trying to charge the main building and, you know, all hell broke loose outside, police on horseback trying to disperse the crowds, all of this kind of stuff. Not a grim scene, but also not the first time that this has happened in Dutch football. And mm. to be honest, like I've been, you know, been to an IX game. It's not exactly the most chill, put it that way. Mm. You know, I think people may, you know, maybe go to Amsterdam and they're just like, oh, you know, Amsterdam, everyone's on <laughs> bikes. I can cycle out in the morning and I get a lovely pastry and a coffee. But actually, you go to Ajax an game and it's it is not chill. <laughs> right? So, this isn't some kind of uh, obviously getting a game suspended isn't the norm, but mm. rowdy crowd stuff has happened for a long time. Yeah. But I think that in the context, the wider context of what's going on at Ajax at the moment, I think it's just this was just kind of like a pressure point. Mm. It involves obviously the departure of Ten Hag and the m- removal, or oh, slightly away of of the kind of Ajax principles. I mean, we saw how many. Um, I think this has slightly been eroding, and obviously, I'm you know Ajax fans and season ticket holders will be a lot more privy to this than I am. But it feels like this has been a, a slow slide since the Champions League semi final. That's interesting. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah. That team felt so joyous. Had so many. I mean, not all of them came through the 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 academy, but so many of them were like young or came through the academy, and it felt it felt really Ajax. Mm. Since then, you have had the stuff with Overmars, and then you had Van der Sar leaving because of the the kind of pressure of the job. Mm. Sven Mislintat going in. Sven Mislintat is a weird one because my, my friend who's a, shouts to Bert, he's an Ajax fan. He he's, he, asked, he was asking me about Mislintat, and I said it might be fun for a bit, but then it, it won't be. Wow, good shout! But I didn't expect it to not be that for this. Well, he kind of
0: rebuilt himself at Stuttgart, didn't he?
1: Um, Yeah, because his 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 reputation took a bit of a blow at Arsenal, and Mm, but also he got I think he got a bit of a pass because it was a muddled setup. Yeah, and then when he went to Stuttgart, and that was the first time he became like full technical director and controlling Mm. over it. And he but he made some really smart buys, but then Stuttgart nearly got relegated, and Mm. it all went south. And then, but going from that to Ajax is. Huge. And I think that because of everything that's been going on with Ajax and it's such a, it's a club steeped in so much history. Mm. Like you said, there are, there are a few clubs in world football, I think, that have so many internal and external politics around it from people who are there, not there, have been there, were there, returning, overhauls, revolutions, coups, you know, it's, it's kind of wild.
0: And they have the Brazil problem, which is that they can't just win. They have to win in a particular style and with a philosophy. And that's extremely difficult in professional football, competitive football, especially when people are wedded to, and rather like Brazil, people are wedded still to like, I think it's a bit different now Brazil because they've had so many dramatic defeats in World Cups. that I think that the obsession with 1970s receded now also because people are a bit older, but Brazil and beautiful football are still largely synonymous, right? Mm-hmm. And Ajax are kind of the same and people are still wedded to Those eras, you think of Ajax, you think of great European sides, and it's an unfair pressure given the economic mismatch. Like if you think of the financial resources that Premier League clubs have, and the fact that, you know, and also Bundesliga clubs, the fact that like Ajax created this incredible side in 2019, only to see three of its brightest talents hoovered up into some of the biggest squads, uh, biggest clubs around Europe. They then have to endure, Ajax fans then have to watch fans of other clubs going, oh, actually, De Jong's terrible, De Litt's terrible, Van der terrible. They're not. These are beautiful footballers, excellent footballers who thrived in a specific system. And then you, what, do you have, what have you left for it? You know, and that's actually a pretty bleak model. Oh, we're going to create a great side only to know that at some point we'll be torn apart and we'll have to rebuild again. And no matter how good your resources are at a domestic level, that is an emotionally exhausting thing. If you think about that, right, if you look at like, you look at Real Madrid, for example, now, they've got Camavinga, they've got Valverde, they've got Chirimene, Bellingham. Everyone knows that's not going to be broken up unless those players absolutely want to go somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Like Madrid get to keep their dream quartet. Ajax never do. And I think that's part of it. That may sound like, you know, sympathy for the devil for, Dutch fans, of other, uh, for fans of other Dutch teams, but I do have a measure of sympathy if you're trying to build something organically with a squad, with a playing philosophy and then it just keeps getting torn apart because that then leads to, you know, what, what you're stuck with. You're stuck with, you've got two devils then you have to deal with. Either keep building it patiently from the academy up, which you know will be torn apart, or you go and get someone like a Tat and give them control and go, listen, do you know what? We're going to try a different way. We'll try more of a Brighton model where you bring people in with incredible recruitment, which I think was what like they're kind of trying, but the Tat was just the wrong guy for it bring in brilliant players, great recruitment, smart recruitment, um, flip them and just keep on building. I think that was more of the, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I mean, this this is
1: a major problem with what's been going on at Ajax this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The resources issue, yes, compared to the rest of the Premier League and, well, compared to the Premier League and a number of other clubs around Europe, yeah, the golf is big, but within the Netherlands, Mm. Ajax are by far and away the biggest club like resource-wise, support-wise, everything, mm. they spent more than double mm. what the next team in, in the Eredivisie spent in the summer. They spent 110 million euros on transfers in the summer, which for the Divisi is ginormous. Yeah, now, yeah. yes, caveat that with they sold 156, so they still made a transfer balance. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if you look at what they've spent and what they got for their money, I'm not excusing behaviour like that by any means. You can, you can understand frustration, let's say. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Ajax always seems so good at doing, that their best moments are replacing the departures with internal solutions, right? Mm. Because it was just the next person was waiting for the chance to, to get into that side. Mm. And I think what's happened with Mizintat is that there's almost been too much t- at once You've got a guy who doesn't really have any connection with the club at all, has a sketchy reputation now anyway because the diamond eye thing has eroded. It's not really what it was after Dortmund. Mm. By the way, mizentat has gone. He's left Yeah, Yeah. Ajax. So you're left with a load of players that probably don't fit very well, haven't been performing very well. A club's in complete disarray. You've literally got the biggest fixture of the season abandoned. They're going to play, I think, the remainder of it behind closed doors at 1 p.m tomorrow. <laughs> I think if you look at the players that they lost last season, you know, like Kudus, Timber, Alvarez, Bassi. Huge, huge, huge losses. Dude. Tadic left. He was the captain. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I set the tone for the last few years, yeah. David Klarsen went to, to Inter. They lost a lot of players and it didn't feel like they replaced them. I mean, how can you, but still? but still yeah.
0: the other problem for Mizentat as well <clears throat> you talk about the sketchiness just to be specific um, signing a player in whom he had a stake basically um, yeah. That, yeah yeah, it's the club the club signing a player from via an agent an agency in which Mizentat had a stake
1: I mean that's that's as serious as it gets yeah um, so yeah not great mm, not at not all not great not at all uh, should we move across the border let's do it yes let's get the Ha, ha, ha. It's C E to Köln. Uh, as soon as we get over the border, they're going to stop for 10 minutes and change the locomotive. Yes. <laughs> then cancel two trains to so get home at midnight <laughs> on a Monday morning. Sorry, sorry. That's bitter. <laughs> it's C-E. nach München. It's E we We're about to get an apology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to change it, Köln. We're, we're going to get another It's E and uh, go via Frankfurt down to Munich. Because. Mm. Harry Kane didn't score a hat-trick, everyone.
0: There was big discourse about this,
1: yeah. He scored an English hat-trick. Okay, it's fine. It's one of those. There was big discourse in our German signal group. There was a
0: big discourse about this.
1: I mean, long story short, so the Bundesliga definition for a hat-trick is scoring three goals in a row. Mm. A lupenrein is three goals without interruption in the same half. Yes. That basically means like perfect. That's like a perfect hat-trick. So in England, the perfect hat-trick is left foot, right foot, header, right? Yeah, but in Germany, it's three goals in a row in the same half. Yes, but basically, they just have a different name for it. It's not a big deal. Chill, chill, chill. It's fine. You know, it's like aluminum and aluminium. It's uh, they just call it a dryer pack, like a three pack. That's all it is. And it's you still get to keep the ball. It's fine. It's just they have you know obviously, I mean, it wouldn't be Germany if it didn't have completely unnecessary additional rules and bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. You can, you can apply, true facts, true facts. <laughs> true facts, hey kids, true facts, you can apply for it to be classed as a hat trick, but you have to, you have to make an appointment at the Berggramp and they're <laughs> only open, they're only open nine till 11 or every other Wednesday morning and they're booked up until December. For those who
0: don't know, the Berggramp is like the kind of, um, citizen's office, like the local authority. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I made almost exactly the same joke. Did you? Yes. It's only a hat trick only counts in Germany if you immediately register at the Bürger. And I
1: should. We should start. We should start. We should start a podcast. Should start podcast. We will listen to that.
0: Anyway, no. Um. So yeah, Harry Kane. Look, uh, there are a few things more Bayern than absolutely working Bochum at home. <laughs> Poor Bochum. So, there's, yeah.
1: there's, do you know what? I feel really sorry for Bochum because they have this fan partnership, right? Mm-hmm. Like a club partnership. A lot of teams in Germany have this. Um. And they've had it for, like, what, 50-odd years? And Bayern mm. just hammer them all the time. I'd be like, what are we getting out of this fan partnership, guys? Tell you what,
0: though, shout out to Bochum, though. They're great at their place. They're great at their place. Great atmosphere. Um, great stuff. I just say, on, on, on Kane's performance, um, three goals, two, two beautiful assists. He has the record start for a striker at Bayern. He's yep. scored seven. The previous record was five in the first five games. He's got seven in his first five. He has settled in extremely well.
1: He looks... Really, really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really happy.
1: He just looks like he's playing free. He reminds me of a lot of my
0: English friends who moved to Germany, kind of anxious about the language and the cultural differences. And within like three weeks, they've slotted right in. They're like, oh, culturally, like it's really similar. And I'm like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's they walk, within yeah. three
1: weeks, they're walking into a local Spate and be like, nah. Yeah, exactly. it. And they're <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> my guy. <laughs>
0: One of my friends, just like that, who is probably the best fit for any Englishman that's moved to Germany in recent years among my friends, recently just came out and said, like, yeah, um, I'm hanging around for a very long time. And I was just like, I love that for him. And I, I'm not I fucking feel that, leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> or like Pepper say, we will be there. Five years later, we will be there. Ten years later, we will be there. We will be there. We will be there.
1: Yeah, Bayern 7, Bochum 0. Uh, <laughs> Kane's, Kane's pass for... Uh, for Leroy Sané's goal was so oh, yeah. that good, was, goodness oh, me, my God! But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Bayern are now top of the Bundesliga on goal difference. But Bayer Leverkusen, nice win over Heidenheim Yeah, nice win, four win over four one win over Heidenheim. So lovely goals in this game as well. Yeah, I, I I'm really enjoying watching Leverkusen this season. Ch- Charlie Lanson knows what he's doing. Joe, Do you know what's really funny is that. I've already seen a couple of people being like, "Oh, is he gonna get the Real Madrid job? <laughs> like, leave him alone, leave him <laughs> alone, uh, let him cook." But what were we saying the other day? We 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 about this in the Wrights House group about how he's become, he's bec- he looks like he's becoming the manager that Stephen Gerard thought he w- would be. Do you yeah. know? And you know, it's a funny thing because
0: Stephen Gerrard actually made really smart moves early yeah, on. Rangers like, really move, is, and we I were loved, hyped
1: when I, he went to Villa, right? I loved, I loved it. Look, I loved, I loved. Yeah, we I were loved really, the path we he really excited about it. He looked like he was. Going to be a really good manager, yeah.
0: He chose a really humble path and what I think is this, I think it's just the quality, Ryan. Like, mm. the quality of everything in the Premier League. Look, look at like, even now, shout out to T for their great video about Spurs playing out from the back. Everyone's a ball carrier now. Everyone presses well now. Everyone overlaps well. Everyone plays multiple You know, it's just the complexity of football every year mm. gets you caught. I mean, look at it. struggling. I know, I know that Poch has had various problems at Chelsea with various things, but Botch is playing, Enzo Fernandes is a 10. That's, that's a, pro- like, you look at that and go, this man is trying everything because the quality of the Premier League is such that the margins are so small and, look, Gerard had a lot of talent to work with at Villa and it's not even that he's a bad manager, right? He's a good manager, mm. but what it takes to be, like, like the quality of coaching in the Premier League just explodes. That's actually probably have seen the greatest increase in recent years if you think about it. Like, for De Zerby to be at a club, De Zerbi's coaching a team and they're not even Champions League. That's how good the brains are in, in the Premier League right now. And I just think he was a cut below. But yeah, Chad Alonso, love his work. Um, Leverkusen, check them out if you can. They're the sound of the summer. <laughs> it's like Sassuolo, isn't it?
1: <laughs> no, Watch Leverkusen. I no, was well, already watching Leverkusen. No, my kind of like, my, my uh, get lucky Footballism is uh, the Stuttgart Hoffenheim job swap job job swap. Yeah, uh, Stuttgart third third win in a w- third win in a row. Hoffenheim a fifth fourth win in a row. Mm, Pellegrino yeah. Matarazzo and um, Sebastian Hernes doing great jobs at their various jobs. Mm. Great jobs at their new clubs. Uh, Marco Rosa went back to Gladbach alongside Max Abel, uh, the the former Gladbach dynamic duo now at the, uh, I suppose, the footballing evil empire in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. And um, they got a 1-0 win. Mm. And, and just a quick, show, uh, difficult week for Union. Uh, th- yes. Three three defeats in a row in the Bundesliga now. They lost, obviously, le- very, very, very late against Real Madrid. was super unlucky. Leonardo Bonucci made his Bundesliga debut and very quickly learnt a lesson that I learnt when I first started playing football in Germany. Is actually, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you may have been able to get, get away to grapple, with that for grap- years and years striker. and years there's
0: something quite poignant though about Bonucci making the mistake that leads to that defeat you know that was the other day when um, uh, Mitoma won a fancy car for like a man of the match award and I was like there's a shifting of the tide where Brighton go from being the underdog to becoming mm-hmm. the kind of like South Coast giant and people start hating on them because they're like too big to be universally loved and Benucci going to Union is one of those moves where you're like, oh, you're becoming just another big club now. Not in my mind, but in terms of perception. And for him to make the mistake was almost this kind of like the hubris of the big new guy. That's not, it's not fair, he's just a defender, but like the big new guy coming in and making things worse is ironic. Um, I hope that, look, Here's the thing about Union is this, right? They've been flying so high above expectation for so long. It's inevitable they'll return to some kind of earth. I just hope that the earth they return to, if they do return to earth, is a kind of mid-table. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I hope they remain around 7th, 8th, just for the foreseeable, because it's, it's, it, they're, they're going to get a dip, because we're now seeing the bigger clubs, we're seeing they've got their act together, we're seeing that, like, Marco Rosa is getting a tune out of Leipzig, as he should, frankly. Um, Leverkusen are surging. Dortmund are kind of having one of those weird Dortmund years. But, you know, the big clubs are kind of finding themselves for the most part again. So I expect Unión to drop off. I just hope the drop-off isn't too severe.
1: They, they opened the season scoring eight in their first two and mm. then they've only scored one Bundesliga goal in their last three. Well, one, mm. one, one goal in all comps in the last four. Just quickly, I meant to shout, out, shout him out when we talked about um, Stuttgart, but can I just shout out Garassi again? Ten yes. goals in his opening five games.
0: May as well just call every stadium he plays in garassic Park it's
1: equal uh, Lewandowski's uh, record with yeah, incredible just, efficiency as well like he's
0: actually like it, the thing is the problem is this it's just it's not sustainable the finishing is so good yeah. that you can't keep scoring that clip but just enjoy it while it's here shout I guess. out to
1: Boniface as well another goal on weekend doing good listen Osman and Boniface falling out falling out I wonder which club goes in for that first Goodness
0: me. You won't get much change out of 150 million, though, will you? Fucking B days.
1: squared up front, I'm going to call it. Yeah. B squared. <laughs> Before we get out of here, mm. shout out Kurt Baker from FopMob Stadio OG. Loving that app. Just said, can we get a shout out for SV Austria Salzburg versus RB Salzburg, which is taking place in the Austrian Cup tonight? Tasty. Which is, I mean, for those who are unaware, Austria-Salzburg. It's the club that Red Bull Salzburg bought and turned into Red Bull Salzburg. And basically, SV Austria-Salzburg is the Phoenix club. Mm. So it was a great piece that Kurt hipped us to by uh, Will McGee called War of the Worlds on the, on Cole FC. It was, it was a really, really great piece. We'll post it on um, in a reply to, to today's episode tweet. But um, Austria-Salzburg are up to the third tier. Mm. And obviously, Red Bull Salzburg have what, won Ten in a row, in Austria, in the Austrian Bundesliga. Goodness! And uh, another one. Uh, one more thing on this: it's really interesting that fans of Austria Salzburg don't class it as a derby.
0: That's so interesting because it's not like a fact; they don't see them as a valid entity. Yeah.
1: So it, I'm not even sure if it is on anywhere mm. in the in wherever you are, but I it'll be on FOTMUB. Be able to follow it. Yeah. It's, uh, kickoff is 8:45 local time tonight. So, if you're stuck for stuff to watch and you don't want to watch the Carabao Cup, I mean, there's a midweek, there's midweek, uh, Serial Affixes. We talked about Juve before, Juve playing Lecce later. Mm. Football never stops, Musa. It never stops. Just like your takes. (laughs) They will stop at some point, I promise. Um, one last
0: thing I want to, I want to throw this one last thing. Yeah. So, just shout out to David Conn for a great piece of, um, breaking investigative reporting. UEFA accused of presenting untrue evidence to the inquiry on Champions League final chaos. So the allegations made by the then um, operations director of UEFA Sharon Burk Lau who was second in command during all the planning for the logistics for the Champions League final and basically the allegation is that the security and safety unit was headed by Zochko Papacher who is the best friend of UEFA president Alexander Seferin and she said they basically made up they they basically made up how well they'd handled this um this whole affair uh, that's a big allegation. It's breaking um, from David Carr at The Guardian, who's an outstanding journalist. So worth keeping an eye on that. But just maybe further vindication for Liverpool fans who basically um, yeah. campaigned to change the narrative on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, can I do one, one more shout out before we go We're on a football sense yeah, sure. for Liga, yeah. Breast top of Liga. Yes. Uh, and they oh, face we have second to. Place very nice. Oh my God. They yeah. face place second place Nice this weekend. Uh, on the weekend, PSG. Put four past Marseille. Mm. It was very, very chill for them. And Marseille are in talk about a club in turmoil at the moment. Marcelino's gone after a meeting between the president and a couple of heads of fans group fan groups last week, and there were allegations from the president that threats were made. They they decided to part ways because of that, and now um, there are there's a bit of war of words. There's some legal action being taken from both sides, from the club and from the fans group sides. And yeah, I, again, I, can, I, can't, I think uh, not quite the same as the Ajax stuff, but selling a lot of players in the summer, not replacing them, maybe unhappy with the choice of manager. Mm. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and actually,
1: fun times.
0: Elsewhere in Liga, just to shout out this. So, Nice beating Monaco 1 0. The news there that following Balogun had two penalties saved by Bulker,
1: uh, Then Jeremy
0: Boga, who Boga with a brilliant last minute winner. His first for Nice. And the reason I want to mention this is just because Boga was hyped by, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, maybe Mason Mount. They were talking about the most skillful player in his time at Chelsea. And Boga was like right up there. A brilliant player, an exceptional talent who's never quite, with the exception of Sassuolo, hit the headlines that his talent deserved. And it was lovely to see him score that late minute. It's a gorgeous goal. Get to check it out if you can. Uh, injury time winner, Nice beating Monaco 1 0. But just want to give Boga a shout out because. He's always a player I've enjoyed watching. We love shout-outs on this
1: show. We do. Uh is there anything else we need, anything else we want to talk about? I think no, I think that's it. I think all good. All good. Um on Thursday, we might do um we might not do the roundup of the games, but we wanted mm. to, to There was a couple of things we wanted to talk about. Yeah. One of them being the um the issue of the 3 pm blackout in the UK. Mm. So maybe we could talk about that. Maybe we'll uh think about one or two other things. Or if yeah. there's anything. Do you know what? Should we throw questions out there? Any yeah, questions, yeah. tweet us at Stadio. Yeah. Try and keep them big picture. Mm. And we'll do maybe one or two of those on mm. Thursday. But yeah, other than that, I hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever yeah. you are in the world. Don't forget to check writer's House. Don't forget to check Counterpressed. Don't forget to check the Stadio app. playlist play us on Spotify. Speaking of which, we've got a special one today. Yeah. Playing out on Harvest Time by Ferris Sanders. It's just delightful. It makes me emotional. Anything you'd like to ask Mr. I just think
0: looking at Jack maybe and maybe being unfairly critical, you know, he's just excited what? to be in a new place. Listen, if all of you, any of you, in a new place, new place of work, whatever, just you know, just kiss your badges, you know, happy to be where you are. You know, Jarak Cancela is happy to be in his place of work, and maybe actually we should all be kissing our badges a bit more. Um, so yeah,
1: I, I'm going to go to the Stadio board and start meowing.
0: There you go, kiss your badges, gang.
1: <laughs> I want out. I want out. <laughs> I want strike. I want out of here. <laughs> Uh, Much love everyone Back on Thursday See you then